Hello, iGaming Intelligentsia. Before we start today's podcast, here is a message from our sponsors. The iGaming Next podcast is made possible with the support from our sponsors at Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. I've been working with Ashley, Lewis and the guys over at Pragmatic Solutions over the last year. And as the early supporter of this podcast, I cannot recommend them enough. The Pragmatic Solutions Player Account Management Platform is an incredibly powerful technology stack for today's gaming business. Their modern modular platform provides all the core services to power your business and their SaaS licensing model allows you to reduce cost and accelerate your strategic goals. Enterprise technology with decades of operational know-how at scale built in. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. This podcast is brought to you by Hub88, a lightweight integration platform built on Exilir, offering seamless wallet API for casino operations. It currently interacts with over 50 providers and 2,000 plus games, giving access to many tier one suppliers while also supporting new studios, distribution, and key components such as game engines, provably fair RNGs, RGs, and investments into new startups. To find out more, visit hub88.io. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to uh, this edition of this uh, today's podcast. I'm delighted to be joined here today by Enrico. Enrico, good morning, welcome. Good morning, Rory, and good morning, everyone. Uh, just for the sake of the audience, um, could you just give us a, a bit of overview of, of yourself and, and uh, uh, who you work for? Absolutely. So I am the uh, chairman and the founder of iGen, which is an industry trade association representing 27 of the larger companies that are based in, in Malta, operating on the international markets based in Malta. Great stuff. Now, obviously, uh, the news last week that we we heard with um, Malta being uh, grey-listed, um, we've had a couple of days now to digest, um, obviously, um, uh, the implications. And uh, being that that trade body association, have you managed to talk to a number of your your, your members? What are their initial thoughts on, on, on their reaction to, to what's happened? Sure. Um, yes. So, of course, we've had um, uh, we've had some some time to kind of think about um, that. I mean, the first reaction, of course, uh, was a, a huge disappointment. Um, it was I mean, it's a process that has uh, uh, started uh, two years ago when Malta failed the Moneyval assessment. Sure. Uh, so it's something that had been on our radar uh, for a while now. And we had been in uh, very close and regular contact with uh, the government to ensure that uh, uh, the appropriate actions were, were being taken uh, to avoid Malta being uh, grey listed. So the first uh, reaction was the, uh, disappointment, of course. Uh, there was, uh, I would say, cautious optimism after Malta Past the uh, Moneyval assessment mm -hmm. just a few a few uh, months ago, and that was, I think, testament to the uh, the work that uh, had been done by by the government uh, over these uh, uh, these last uh, couple of years, and especially this last last year. Um, but um, it was not enough. 
and I think the uh, the overall conclusion was that whilst the uh, the technical assessment, so the the theory, the um, the laws, uh, the uh, the uh, investigative bodies, the FIU, the MJ, etc., were all strengthened. The uh, uh, the powers were separated. The number of uh, changes uh, were, were made to the legal framework to make it make it compliant uh, with the Manival um, requests. Uh, the the overarching or the uh, overarching decision, as we understand it, uh, is based on the enforcement, mm -hmm. which is then putting those laws in in practice and making sure that. Uh, uh, that you do what you say you're you're doing in in your legal framework, uh, and that's the part that uh, uh, where Malta has been found wanting. Yeah, and and, and although this is like a, a wider financial issue, obviously with with FATF, it's obviously going to have implications to the to the operators. Uh, with many of them um, uh, operating, say jurisdictions, and certainly as the US, or so with the US opening up, and obviously that's quite an attractive market for a lot of them. Um, and, and we know from the land-based sector, the, the the US market is quite vigilant in terms of um, um, sort of these checks and everything like that. Do, do you think it'll it'll impact in any way at all? You know, in, in the first instance, with these operators having a Maltese license and probably other licenses as well. I mean, for sure, this will make it harder, as uh, we understand. Uh, so, so as part of our preparation, as part of the, the due diligence, if you want, it, we were mm -hmm. doing, um, we we had uh, requested an impact analysis uh, that was done by by KPMG uh, on the various possible dynamics, and mm -hmm. uh, this one, which is to. Um, to, to, to obtain um, licenses in other jurisdictions, including the US, uh, is one of the areas where we believe um, there will be increased scrutiny. I think it's, um, uh, I, I think it's, it's inevitable that this will happen. Uh, there is going to be, there is a, a reputational damage uh, mm -hmm. and um, any, any business partner or regulatory body that will be uh, assessing you know companies that want to do business or obtain licenses from a gray listed jurisdiction um, will have to undergo some some stricter uh, due diligence this is what we expect um, now as, as again as i understand the areas where malta has been found wanting um, did not relate to the online gambling sector. Uh, and if anything, that was one of the sectors that had been um, highlighted as green, as, as positive by the Monival assessment even back in 2019. So certainly when it comes to the, uh, the regulated online gambling industry in Malta, um, we, are, we are welcoming any any type of uh, uh, due diligence requests that will come from regulators or, or other business partners. Mm. But of course, this will create more scrutiny, uh, we expect, will create um, more um, administrative work in the end, which will increase costs. Yeah, and I, and I suppose with that administrative work, obviously the 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 the, the tax incentives that Malta brings uh, at the moment, which is I think about five percent. I mean, the industry's been around a long time, uh, certainly in the iGaming world, and obviously if we're talking about iGaming specifically, do you think the the movement from five to fifteen percent is going to really 
damage the eye game industry, or are we resilient enough now to to actually accept that? And, and we're not going to see an exodus of of companies um, to to other jurisdictions. So, you know, in, in other words, Malta's pretty sound from the eye game perspective. I think um, so. So that is a, a whole other uh, conversation. I would say a whole other um, to topic of conversation. Uh, the the minimum global corporate tax, uh, as it's been reported, um, which is the you know, is supposed to increase to a minimum of fifteen percent, mm -hmm. uh, is is something that um, uh, is is very unclear um, how that is going to affect. Um, you know, the gaming companies, for example, or any other company in the world. Um, as I understand, um, the way this was designed to start with uh, was, was certainly to avoid the big companies, the very big, big, big uh, multinationals, uh, from leveraging uh, the, um, uh, the differences in, in uh, taxations. Um, amongst the various countries who are sovereign states, so they can they can impose, they can decide their own uh, taxation rate. Uh, and so big multinationals uh, where, uh, where are leveraging this diversity in the tax structure, in the corporate structure, uh, tax structure, to minimize the tax that they are, they are paying. Now, this has been widely seen as being unfair and unjust. Um, so there was talk about a minimum revenue before uh, this minimum uh, corporate tax, global corporate tax, would apply. Mm -hmm. So, how Malta will be impacted, and how the individual gaming companies will be impacted, remains to be seen. Yeah. Um, for sure, if you know, to, to answer your question, I would say uh, at the moment it's it's too early to tell, but there is no business that can that can uh, afford uh, a ten percent. Uh, increase in taxes let's sure. let's call it like that um without consequences uh so so this will will definitely have um some consequences should it happen in the way that you have uh, uh raised mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um and and you know uh, i suppose representing your mem the members in the in the gaming world um you know uh, how long do you think in that in, in your opinion do you think um uh, multiple take to get back to being becoming a whitelisted country again. Is it going to be two years? Is it going to be five years? Or is it? Do you think with the regulation, with the policies in place from the uh, gaming world so far, um, there's something that maybe they can learn from that? And you know, in terms of how vigilant we are uh, in, in that regard, is it? Are you seeing it going to be resolved quite quickly, or is, it, is this going to take a while? In your opinion, uh, it's of course a very, a very difficult question uh, to answer. Um, I can I can look at um, uh, what the, um, uh, the the specific um, um, failings, let's say the technical failings uh, that the FATF has highlighted. Uh, so if you go back, there were 58 let's say non-compliant points mm -hmm. that Malta needed to address in 2019 mm -hmm. um, after the Moneyval report, uh, and now we're left with three. Uh, which are the enforcement ones, as we said. Uh, so, so one of them, for example, relates to uh, ultimate beneficial owner, uh, and to make sure that there is uh, a process and there are uh, you know, th there are penalties uh, that are proportionate uh, for Malta to keep 
the, the record of who these companies really belong to up to date and when these uh, records are not uh, provided or there is lack of clarity, then that there are the, the right um, penalties that would mm -hmm. go with, with that, uh, for example. And uh, to make sure that the FIU uh, fights in an effective way, um, the, um, uh, the, the, the money laundering and the tax avoidance. Mm -hmm. uh, so all of these are, are very specific, very technical points that need to be addressed individually by the government and the respective bodies that are uh, that that are um, responsible for those those points. Um, now, how quickly this will be will be done, I don't know. There is certainly huge um, momentum, I would say, and and uh, uh, maybe a, something that I haven't seen in in the nine years that I have been in, in Malta, uh, kind of a national unity. On, on really getting the whole country back onto a white listing uh, status. So my hope is that this happens as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. If we look back at the recent future, uh, the recent past, uh, Iceland is a country that has gone through uh, through this similar journey, mm -hmm. and uh, they stayed in a grey listed status for twelve months for one year. So I think that. If we're going to be measuring this uh, this time um, with months, let's say up to twelve months, I think this would be uh, would be good. Uh, if we're talking about two to five years, uh, that strikes me as a very long time to be in a grey listed status, yeah. and that will have consequences uh, yeah. on the company's decision to to stay, on you know professionals, individuals to be wanting to continue to be based in a grey listed jurisdiction uh, and so on and so forth. So to conclude, I hope it will be a matter of months, let's say six to 12 months. That's kind of what my my hope is. Um, and uh, um, you know, we will continue to be close to the government. Um, the government has been transparent uh, to, a, to a degree. And we would like to see greater transparency on the progress that these uh, individual task forces will will need to uh, you know to, to do uh, on the actions they will need to take in order to to reach um, a, a pass mark essentially. Um, and um, but if it drags on into into years, uh, I think we will start to see progressively. Um, the longer the time goes, the more negative effect this will have for Malta. Great, thank you. Um, any, anything else you wish to add, um, Enrico? I think, um, you know, whilst of course we we did not expect and we did not want to be in this uh, in this position, but I I do really believe that uh, once we get out of this and we are uh, whitelisted again, I think Malta will be a much stronger jurisdiction and mm -hmm. one where everybody will be proud to be based as companies as individuals um so so let, let's finish on this positive note um you know we will be in a better place uh, yeah. for sure yeah no they said that you're all saying it makes you stronger these learning from these lessons so um so listen thank you so much for your time today i appreciate it and um i hope to see you again soon in, in person and um thank you so much look forward to that thank you rory cheers